Well, good morning, Bentonville Church. It's great to be together this morning. If you want to turn with us, we're going to be in Isaiah 55. We're also going to spend a little time in Psalm 119. You're welcome to turn there. It's going to take us just a few minutes to get there. But today we're talking about the power of God's Word. And in order to do that, I want us to start with a little bit of singing. It's okay if you sing along there at your house. Sing as loud as you want. Nobody's going to hear you except maybe your neighbors. And good for you if you sing that loudly. So feel free to sing with me. I'm not going to finish every song. But the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Our children's songs try really hard to, to remind us of the importance of the Bible because we want from a very young age for our kids to understand and internalize that the Bible is important to the way that they live their lives. So we sing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Or maybe, read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Because we want from the earliest age for our kids to learn to love the Bible, to take it into their hearts and their lives, literally to eat it up. This is one of my favorite pictures of my daughter, Hannah. It's, it's just something that I love. But we want our kids to devour Scripture, maybe not quite so literally. But we want them to learn it, to love it, and to learn to live it out in their lives. I want you to stop and ask yourself a question for a moment. We believe the Bible is important, but I want you to ask, don't think too hard, don't, don't wrestle with it too long. Just what's the first answer that comes to mind when I ask you this? To me, the Bible is fill in the blank. To me, the Bible is dot, dot, dot. What's the first answer that came into your mind this morning? Maybe it was the Bible is the Word of God. Or maybe for you it's the story of Jesus or something along those lines. Maybe you answered that question about Scripture with Scripture, saying the Bible is sharper than any double-edged sword, or it's God-breathed, or it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And honestly, if you answered a question about Scripture with Scripture, that's pretty meta. Maybe you said that the Bible gives, is what gives you life, hope, joy, or peace. And all of those are beautiful answers and on my best days, that is how I feel. But maybe the answer that popped in your head was a little more along these lines. The Bible is difficult for me to understand. Or it's a lot of information to take in about impossible to pronounce people and places and kingdoms and empires and battles that I just don't know anything about and so I just get kind of confused. Maybe you thought to me the Bible is kind of dry and dusty. Maybe you said it's just a struggle. Maybe you said to me, the Bible is hard for me to want to read. And if that's how you feel, whether or not you are willing to say that out loud, know that you aren't alone. There are days in which I feel like that too. Days where it just seems kind of tedious to, to open my Bible and to start to read. Because honestly, where should I begin? And what's going to have an impact on my soul? What haven't I read in a while? Because I believe that God is going to speak to me through His Word, through this Bible, that I will learn and grow and be challenged. So why is it so tough for me to want to do this today? 
For many of us, the Bible can be challenging. And it might be because of the way in which we approach it. Because here's the thing. We believe these aren't just words on a page. They aren't just stories of long ago people in faraway places. We believe the Bible tells us the story of God and His people. How God has acted in the past and interacted on behalf of His people, loving them even in the midst of their sin and their shame and their separatedness. And how in the midst of all of that, God brings them His salvation. He gives them His grace. He he forgives us of our sins and offers that to us. He is willing and wanting to bring us back into relationship with Himself and then to make us to be more like Him. At its core, the Bible is the story of the lengths to which God is willing to go to be with us. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. If you start to read through it, you quickly realize it goes on for a couple of pages. It's 176 verses. And throughout it, it touches on God's love, God's salvation, and a longing for God's guidance. But at its core, if you really just condense this psalm down, it is a love song about God's Word. If you jump to verse 97, it says this, Oh, how I love your law. There's the love song coming out. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. I love how the psalmist just expounds upon how much he loves Scripture here. And in fact, just in these few short verses that we read, we actually get three distinct images, each of which carries its own meaning and understanding. The first picture we get is that God's word is like a lantern or a flashlight. Because the Bible teaches us, it guides us, it corrects us, it counsels us, it keeps us on the right path, it lights our way. Later on in one of his letters, Paul writes this, All of Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And as Paul is writing those words, I think he has places like Psalm 119 in mind. Because this psalmist and Paul and so many others want us to realize that God's Word lights our way and it shows us where we need to go. It points out where we might stumble in our life. It brings light into the dark places. It convicts us of the sin that we might rather cover up and it guides our feet into the light. Scripture illuminates our souls. The second picture that the psalmist gives us then is is present in this idea. It's one of wrestling or struggling. Now you might be thinking, Daniel, where was that in the text? Because that's not any of the words we see here. But there's a Hebrew word here that's translated twice as the word meditate. Or maybe depending on what translation you have, it's studying. And that translation is wonderful and great and it is so true. But in other places in Scripture, that same word is translated as grumbling 
or struggling or complaining or trying to understand. It carries this picture of that this isn't always easy as we come to God's Word and think about it. A couple of months back, I was at Navy Chaplain School, and I became friends with a Jewish rabbi while I was there. And one day we started talking about a very particular part of Scripture in the Old Testament. And as he and I discussed how we were seeing it differently, he became more and more uh, heated, and, and his voice rose, and we were kind of arguing and discussing. It became more of a debate. And here's the thing, I'm, I'm conflict avoidant when it just doesn't seem to matter all that much to me. And when I don't know somebody very well, it's just far easier to just kind of go along to get along. And so I was just trying to back out of this conversation, but my friend stopped me and he said this, Daniel, there's something you need to understand about us as, as Jewish believers and especially us as rabbis. If we are trying to come to Scripture and understand it and trying to comprehend what it means, what we actually do is we sit and we argue about it. You might think there's kind of one interpretation. We think that there could be dozens and all of them are equally valid. And we're going to argue about which ones we prefer. He said, so a way I show that I respect you and that I want to learn with you is that we're going to sit here and argue about this. And that just kind of left me dumbfounded. But he said, here's the thing. If you won't argue with me, I'm going to go over in the corner and I'm going to argue with myself because that's the only way I'm going to learn. And the psalmist is presenting that same picture to us. Sometimes as we come to Scripture, it becomes almost an argument with our heart and our soul. And, and, and we're trying to understand what God is trying to teach us. There's a third picture that's here in this psalm as well. It's one of a delicious feast or a delightful dessert. Because the psalmist says that God's words, God's law, God's teaching is sweeter than honey in our mouths. His message brings delight. So sit down, tuck in, get ready for a feast as you come to God's Word. Indeed, in other portions of Scripture, the word that is translated as meditate is a word that also means to savor. But interestingly, in a couple of places, it also says to growl over. And the picture that's here is one of, maybe if you have a dog at home and you give your dog a bone, and the, the dog then takes that bone over into the corner and begins to chew and gnaw on it. And he kind of gets that low rumble, that growl, as he is delighting over this morsel that you've given him. And he's going to sit there and he's going to savor it for a couple of minutes or, or hours or days, depending on your dog, right? And it's that, that low rumble of joy that is always present as they are trying to savor that bone. Now, that's a lot of pictures wrapped up in just a couple of short verses, isn't it? So which one is it supposed to be whenever we come to Scripture? Is it a light? Is it a feast? Is it a struggle? And the answer is yes, it's all of those. Sometimes it depends on the Scripture. Sometimes it depends on the day. Sometimes it depends on the status of my heart as I come to it. You see, sometimes we really need to dig into God's Word and to struggle what's, with what's there. What's the context? What's the historical situation in the background? Who are the Hittites or the Edomites or Shalmaneser III? And why does it matter to understanding this story? Or maybe it's what is the original word in Hebrew or Greek and how does that change the meaning? Or maybe the struggle as we come to it is more ethical in nature. Why is this story here? 
How could God's people do that? How could they forget about God? What am I supposed to learn from this story that sometimes I might find just a little bit troubling or even horrifying? And for some of us, that wrestling and struggling in Scripture is life-giving. It nourishes our hearts and our minds. But for others, it can be kind of mind-numbingly tedious, can it? Because there are other times as we come to Scripture, we need to let light into the dark places. When the world seems all out of sorts and incredibly chaotic, when darkness seems to abound and evil seems to be winning, or when sin has crept into our lives and needs to be confronted, when my actions or my attitudes don't match what I believe, when my fears and frustrations threaten to overwhelm my faith, or when there's a next step to take, another move to make, and I need to know what, might, what decision might be best or what could be the most godly response in what I'm facing. I need to come to God's Word and let it be a light to my path. I need to let God's Word illuminate the dark places in my heart and to shine into my life. And sometimes I simply need to just sit and savor the message that's there. To delight in God's Word for me in that moment. Chances are, as we've talked about it, you are probably drawn more towards one of those three. There are these three different ways of looking at Scripture. And here's the beauty. All three of those are good. They are right. They could be needed. They are beautiful. They are all godly responses to God's Word. I love to cook. I'm letting you in on a secret about myself this morning. Grilling, baking, sautéing, pan-frying, souffles to sous vide, I really love it all. I nerd out over the Great British Baking Show. Alton Brown's Good Eats is my jam. I have rows upon rows of cookbooks at our house, and I actually read them for fun. And some of you are like me, and now some of you think I'm weird, and that is okay. But I'm the kind of guy who kind of nerds out over a recipe, tweaking what's there and trying to figure out what might make the best chocolate chip cookie or the best rib rub. So if you're ever interested, we can get down into the weeds about those things. But let's be honest, that's not how most of us approach our cooking or eating. Most of us don't care about where our ingredients are sourced from or whether that's just a slight hint of nutmeg that we're tasting there. Most of us come to dinner to be fed what we need. Most days we simply want a good meal, don't we? Something that's satisfying, that sticks to our ribs, that, that fills that small ache or desire we have inside. Or maybe we come to a meal and we experience a great memory, a meal we loved as a kid, or one that we had when that special night overseas, or on a date with one of our loved ones. Maybe for you, food is just fuel something to get you through to the next meal or to the next day. It's energy to burn. And all of those are wonderful and incredible ways of approaching our food. And all of those are wonderful and incredible ways of approaching Scripture because the same thing happens to us. Sometimes we come with deep questions or intellectual pursuits. Other times we need to read Scripture and to let Scripture read us, to come into our hearts and our souls and illuminate the dark places. Sometimes we come simply needing to encounter God, to hear a word of hope or joy or peace or comfort or correction or persuasion. We need God to develop us from the inside. Sometimes we come to Scripture simply needing to be filled 
and to make it through our day. Because we believe that powerful is, excuse me, that Scripture is powerful and effective, that through it we encounter God and God encounters us, that through Scripture the Spirit speaks to us and ministers to our souls. Through Scripture, God invites us to come and to spend some time with Him and His Word and to see what difference that makes in our lives. Earlier, right before the sermon, we heard from Psalm 55, and it's a beautiful psalm. And I want us to hear these words again this morning. But I want us to not worry so much about the background and the history and why Isaiah is writing these words to these people in this time and this place and this space and for what reason. All of that is wonderful and beautiful and your life group prompts this week are going to touch on a little bit of that. But instead this morning I want us to to hear this a little bit differently. I want us to hear it as a personal invitation. This is God inviting you as we read these words together. So feel, feel free to read along with me. We are going to be in Isaiah 55, starting in verse 1. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish the desire I have for it and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. What stuck out to you as we read those words? Maybe it was a picture or a metaphor, a turn of phrase. What really resonated with your heart? Every time I read this verse, I am reminded again of the power of God's Word. That God's Scripture nourishes our spiritual lives. It brings refreshing rain to our dry hearts and our parched lives. That it isn't idle. It is always moving and working. That God's Word doesn't come up empty, but always accomplishes God's purposes. That it is molding our hearts and our lives to be more like Him. It is making incredible change as it changes our attitudes, our actions, and our reactions. It brings joy. It guides us into peace, even in the midst of chaos, that God's Word literally can change the world. Here's the thing, however you choose to get into God's Word, that's awesome. If you want to sit down and do word studies, or read a chapter a day, 
or read five chapters a day, if you are reading the Bible through in 90 days or a year, or you are working on memorization, whatever is working for you, keep at it. Because we believe that God is at work in those efforts as you are spending time in God's Word. You will grow, grow, grow. God's Word put into your heart and your mind won't come up empty, and it will remind you that Jesus loves you. But a few years ago, I felt like I was in a dry place when I was reading Scripture. And a friend of mine introduced me to a practice that changed the way that I often will approach Scripture. It's a practice that's rooted in ancient Christian tradition, but it helps me meditate and savor on God's Word. The practice I'm going to call today, Dwelling in the Word, Dwelling in the World. And the idea is to come to Scripture and to read it and to spend time there, but then also think about what does it mean to me right here, right now? So here's what I do. I pick a passage and I simply just dwell with it for a couple of days. I don't worry about getting farther into the Bible, nor do I spend a lot of time thinking about the background of the text or the context or the authorship, the situation or anything else that's happening there. Instead, I simply stop and I work through these five steps. The first thing I do is I remember. I try to find a place where I can sit still and be quiet and quiet my heart. I turn off my phone, I try to tune out distractions, and I try to just be present. And I remember. I remember that God is with me, that God loves me, that He is my Father and I am His child. I remember the love that God has for me and the story that we have together at this point in my life. I stop to remember His grace, His mercy, and my need to become more like Him. And second, after a few moments I read, I start reading through the passage slowly and almost always out loud. And I give myself permission just to stop at any word or phrase or idea that jumps out at me as I'm reading it. And sometimes I'll, I'll stop and I'll think about it for a couple of minutes and I'll keep reading. But I also give myself permission to not have to keep reading, just to, to dwell with that phrase and stop right there. The third thing I do after I read is I reflect. Why did that jump out at me? What is it that struck a nerve with my soul? What might God be trying to say to me through what I recognized or realized in that text in that moment? Because if we believe that God's Word is powerful and active, that it is alive and working and moving, and that God does something when we read it, then we have to ask ourselves, what might God be wanting me to learn through what I notice today? And how might He want to work a change in me? And after I reflect on that, fourth, I resolve. Whatever I've noticed or learned, how can I put that into practice by the end of the day today? And maybe I, I take a couple of notes so I won't forget. I'll, I'll make something in my calendar to remind me. Maybe I'll text a friend quickly and ask them to hold me accountable to that. And then finally, step five, I rest. And resting, honestly, is a lot like remembering. I, I thank God for His Word. I thank Him for whatever it is I've learned that day. And then I rest for a minute in His goodness. Remind myself of His love before I continue my day. Remember, read, reflect, resolve, rest. Remember, read, 
reflect, resolve, rest. And then, I guess if you want to add a sixth one, then I try to repeat that the next day. And I want to challenge you this week to join me in doing that. This morning you should receive an email from the church, probably in just a couple of minutes, that will give you a passage of Scripture to hopefully reflect on this week. And my hope is that you will practice dwelling in the Word, dwelling in the world, three times with me this week and see what a difference it might make in your day, in your week, in your life. Because we believe that God's Word, when it proceeds from His mouth, does not return to Him empty, but it brings water to the dry places in our heart. It provides sustenance to the parched places in our lives, that it provides joy and hope and peace, and we will be led in God's joy and peace as we live our lives. So as you encounter God's Word this week, may you encounter God, and may He draw you closer to Him as you read, as you reflect, and as you resolve to live with Him. And may you remember and rest in God's goodness for you. May God bless you this week.